Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. I can buy cocaine, I can get heroin, I can get semi-automatic weapons in my community, but I can't get an organic tomato. So I had to grow my own food. It's all alive. It's all connected. It's all intelligent. It's all relatives. Scientists tell us that concern with the environment will no longer be just one of many issues in this new century. It will move to center stage. It will become the context of everything, of our lives, our businesses, our politics. We are, in fact, moving from the information age to the age of biology. In this series, The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature, we salute the Bioneers, the biological pioneers who are working with nature to heal nature honoring both traditional native wisdom and modern scientific knowledge, restoring the earth by changing the world. In the largely African-American neighborhood of Austin on the west side of Chicago, where LaDonna Redmond lives, four children under the age of 12 suffered strokes and two more had heart attacks under the age of 12. In the United States, one-third of today's 16-year-old black girls will not reach the age of 65. Black men in the U.S. are less likely to reach the age of 65 than men of Bangladesh, one of the poorest countries in the world. Black youth have the same probability of dying at age 45 as white people do at 65. What are they dying from? It's not from gunshots or drug overdoses. It is from an epidemic of chronic diseases, including cancer, heart disease, stroke, and diabetes. Most of these killers can be traced directly to diet, what people are eating. And what we are eating, it turns out, has very much to do with where we are eating it. Research now shows that in many neighborhoods, bad eating habits result primarily from a lack of access to fresh, nutritious foods. The more supermarkets a community has, studies find, the more its residents eat fruits and vegetables, which reduces the risk of deadly heart disease, stroke, and other diseases. Now, we also know that largely white neighborhoods, where people are living longer, have five times as many supermarkets as black ones. But inner-city communities across the country are rising to the challenge in this life-and-death struggle. Their quest is to reestablish the connections between food and health and the connections between food and community. The goal is to provide access to affordable, healthy food because they know that you are where you eat. Join us for the next half hour as we look at You Are Where You Eat, Transforming Urban Food, Growing Community, with LaDonna Redmond and Will Bullock. My name is Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. LaDonna Redmond and her neighbors living on the west side of Chicago are working to change what they're eating. They don't want their 12-year-olds at risk for heart attacks anymore. So you could say they're transforming their community. The transformation of cities, and for me, the community, really comes from the intellect of the community. I read that every community has the intellect to heal itself. I believe that's true in my community. And that intellect starts with personal transformation. So personal transformation is where we begin to transform communities, where we begin to then transform cities, a nation, 
than a country, and of course the entire world. I believe that organizing around food is a way to engage communities physically, economically, environmentally, and spiritually. LaDonna Redmond spent 10 years as a community organizer with at-risk youth and women in recovery from drugs. But she had never thought much about food until her newborn son, Wade, developed swollen eyes and exhibited fits of wheezing and uncontrollable crying. After she started having to rush him to the emergency room twice a month, she quit her job to find out what was going on. Her experience led her right back to her immediate environment of the inner city. A 2003 Food and Society Policy Fellow, a professional fellowship supported by the Kellogg Foundation, she's the president and CEO of the Institute for Community Resources Development. LaDonna Redmond spoke at a recent Bioneers conference. My son is allergic to all dairy products. He's allergic to eggs, peanuts, and shellfish, and we found this out when he's about seven months old. I'm going to save you the drama that I went through with the medical establishment. That's like a whole nother conference. (laughs) Trying to get doctors to tell me how to feed my baby was some of the craziest conversations I think I've ever had in my life. And I realized that these were not the smartest people. These were just the people who stayed in school the longest. (laughs) So, Obviously, I could not rely upon doctors to tell me how to feed my son, so I had to research food. Now, I call myself intelligent. I love to read. I own hundreds of books personally, and I had never read about food. So I get on the Internet. I start reading about food, and I find out that our food is full of pesticides. And I'm like, what? Full of fertilizers and other kinds of chemicals and the younger the children are that are exposed to these these toxins, the more likely the toxins are to have a damaging effect. I'm like, did nobody tell me this? <laughs> then I found out that food had been produced, genetically modified in terms of its seed. And I'm like, what in the hell is genetically modified food? And am I buying it? Well, of course, the answer at that point was most definitely I'm buying it every day. And then nobody asked me. Nobody sent me no postcard. It wasn't on the junk mail. Nobody has said one word about my right to say no to genetically modified food. I found out that there were other food growing practices that were just simply unsanitary and disgusting. I don't want to eat food that's grown in sewer sludge. Hell, I didn't even know what sewer sludge was until I started researching it. I got really mad. (laughs) And I started to talk to my um, colleagues in my community. I'm a community organizer. I've worked in this particular neighborhood for a little over 15 years now, developing youth programs to developing social service programs for women who are ex-offenders and attempting recovery from substance abuse. And... I had never known any social service agency or any community organizing group to work on food. So I went around and started talking to them. And they all knew me, and they knew what I was going through. And I said, you know, we got this food thing that's happening. We need to do something about it. And they were like, hmm, let's see. We work on drugs. We work on crime, housing, a little unemployment thing, no food on our radar. If you want to work on food, then you go right ahead. 
I said, okay. And they were like, well, anybody come over here and ask about food, we're going to send them to you. <laughs> I said, okay. Lo and behold, somebody called them and asked them about food. And there was a woman named Claire Butterfield, and she was talking about food sustainability. And I remember the woman who called me and said, you know, there's a lady on my phone. She's talking about food sustainability. I don't know what the hell she's talking about. Why don't you talk to her and let me know what she's talking about? Well, basically what she was talking about was getting together and talking about how do you make communities sustainable around food access. And so we started to have a series of community meetings. As LaDonna began to research the issue of food access in her community of Austin, she found that Austin was not a low-income neighborhood, as most people believed, including herself. But it was a predominantly black area. She discovered what the research shows, that largely white neighborhoods have five times as many supermarkets as black ones, even when there's not an overall difference of incomes. Access is not just an issue of affluence, but of race. Again, LaDonna Redmond. I'm also living in a community that spends $135 million on groceries. And there's no significant grocery store. Why isn't there a grocery store? And that's what this meeting was talking about. These folks work every day. Ain't got time to be messing around, traveling all over the city trying to find groceries. So they said, you know what? Let's build a grocery store. I said, yeah, let's build one. They was like, LaDonna, when you build the grocery store, give us a call. <laughs> I said, well, I'll be. So that mandate is from the community to build a grocery store, a community-based grocery store. And they said, well, why are you on your way to building the grocery store? Though? We want to start this farmer's market thing. So we brung some farmers up through the Heifer Project International, and we started a conversation, and we started the Austin, the black farmer's market, as people call it. We just finished our fourth year. We're on our way to building that grocery store. We also um, convert vacant lots to urban farm sites. We take that produce and we sell it to farms. We also distribute food to restaurants downtown, um, downtown Chicago, high-end restaurants. I'm not necessarily that proud of that. I think that's, like, not the point. <laughs> I think it's very far from the point. But I think it helps people begin to realize the capacity of what urban agriculture can do. So we employ people directly from the neighborhood. And we give them these opportunities to uh, learn, one, about working again. They also learn about the soil. And I have to say, they don't really learn a whole lot. They get reintroduced to the soil. Because many of these people in my neighborhood grew up on farms in the South. And they came up in the 1930s. Their mothers and their fathers came up in the 1930s and 40s through the Great Migration. So it's nothing that I'm coming to tell them about how to grow purple hull peas. <laughs> if anything, they come over and they, they tell us how to grow purple hull peas. And they introduce us to what they're growing in their backyards. And that's how we build community. LaDonna Redmond sees herself as only part of a much larger community of people who have brought this work into being. Together they form the Chicago Food System Collaborative, involving both the community and university to understand how a community can access food and what is the best way to access food to support the strengthening of community. Their efforts in just a brief three years have already yielded results that are gaining national recognition. But as far as LaDonna is concerned, they're just getting going. I do live in a community where I can buy Nike trainers. I talk about McDonald's chicken nuggets, White Castle hamburgers, Burger King, chicken sandwiches. We got a Taco Bell, all within like 
four or five blocks of each other. I can buy cocaine. I can get heroin. I can get semi-automatic weapons in my community. But I can't get an organic tomato. So I had to grow my own food. I encourage each of you to do it, to go beyond talking about it. I was told that I could not raise money without a 501c3. I could not raise money from my living room. I had to have an office to raise money. And I raised a little over $2 million in my living room without a 501c3. LaDonna Redmond, President and CEO of the Institute for Community Resource Development, bringing transformation to Austin, Illinois. When we return, Will Bullock of Boston's Food Project. I'm Neil Harvey. This is You Are Where You Eat, transforming urban food, growing community. You're listening to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. Will Bullock has faced many of the same challenges that LaDonna Redmond confronted in her community around the lack of access to healthy, nutritious food. Will was born and raised in Boston, in an inner-city neighborhood. He's currently a fellow of the Boston Food Project, which brings together thousands of youth and adults to grow organic vegetables for homeless shelters, farmers' markets, and Boston suburbanites. Now 22, he's been working on transforming the urban food system since he was 15. Will Bullock spoke at the Bioneers Conference. The community that I live in is predominantly populated by African Americans and Cape Verdeans who have low income. And one of the major problems that we are facing in my community, in that low income communities across the U.S. are facing, is having access to healthy food. There are corner stores, liquor stores, and fast food restaurants on almost every block. And none of them sell fresh anything, I mean, never mind a fresh tomato or vegetable. And then there are our supermarkets. Yes, they do sell fruits and vegetables, and yes, they do have some options for the few people who probably know what organic produce is and want to buy organic produce. But a lot of times, the prices are so high that they can't afford to buy them on a regular basis. The locations of the supermarkets are also an issue. They are way too few, and they are too hard to get to. I mean, a lot of people in my community don't have, like, cars that they can just drive wherever they want to drive, so people depend on public transportation. So a trip to the supermarket can become a major task, especially if you have children. I have an aunt who has two boys, and, I mean, a trip to the supermarket to buy a few groceries that should take no more than an hour becomes like a three- or four-hour trip, and that, that's a problem, in my opinion. There are also a lot of other challenges we have in my community, like unemployment, contaminated land, and high levels of youth um, violence. Now, with all these challenges, I know you're probably asking, like, what can be done about them? And even more importantly, what does food and farming have to do with anything when it comes to this? 
I would like to say that it has everything to do with it. What's food got to do with it? Will began to ask himself that question in 1995 when he first hooked up with the Food Project. As he came to learn, Ward Cheney had founded the project in 1991 as a vehicle to help people care about themselves, the land, the community, and each other. It began with a farm in the countryside outside Boston, where inner-city youth like Will came to get their hands in the soil and grow food. The 17 miles from Will's neighborhood to the farm may not sound very far, but it was worlds apart from his life experience. Again, Will Bullock. When I first went to the farm, and it was like a mind-blowing experience. From being in the city and seeing all these, you know, buildings and all this traffic, and then to be on a train, sitting on the train looking out the window and like, okay, you see a big building turned to a tall tree. Like, wow, so a transition, you know? You hear the busy streets turn into a sound of one tractor driving on the land. That's a big transition. That transition changed Will Bullock's life. But he didn't stop there. He committed himself to transforming the inner city through food and farming. To do that, he developed what he calls the four keys. My first key is daring to dream. Now, if we're going to transform the inner cities, we have to actually dare to dream, you know, try to figure out how we're going to do it. As one of my mentors once told me, if you want to see changes, then you have to actually dream about it. And if you're going to spend any time dreaming, then you might as well dream big. So in order to make these changes, we have to dream about how we want things to be and not just settle for how things are right now. We have to realize that we are in control of this thing. It's not in control of us. We have to stop thinking like that. When Will joined the Food Project in 1995, the organization was in the midst of considering a tough decision. The Food Project was faced with the opportunity to acquire some additional land in the inner-city neighborhoods of Dorchester and Roxbury. Some people wanted to bring the work into the heart of the city, but there were risks. Was the dream getting too bold? I remember my reaction. It was like, that would be a disaster. It's not going to work, you know. Um, a lot of people thought that you would have to put up like a 10-foot fence around the land in order to keep people from destroying it. We went from having a half of acre of land to having two and a half acres of land in, in a city. And since 1998, that land has produced over 60,000 pounds of organically grown vegetables. And I would like to add that we did not have to put up a 10-foot fence around the land in order to do it. But again, it all started with the dream. My second key is knowledge. Now, in order for us to make these changes, we have to educate ourselves about, you know, what we're up against, about our current reality, like LaDonna did. You know, she read up on, about food. You know, a lot of times we don't understand exactly what's going into our bodies, and it frustrates me being a young man and having younger brothers, seeing how, you know, we just, we just eat anything and not know what's going on with it, you know? Knowledge is power. You know, a lot of times, because we don't have that knowledge, we're, we're just letting these different ideas, letting the marketing world, letting fast food restaurants, letting the government take us in any, any direction they want to take us. And we need to stop doing that if we realistically, if we really want to have change. Big U.S. food makers certainly understand that knowledge is power. For more than a generation, they have applied Will Bullock's second key to transform urban food with gusto. The knowledge they dispense, marketing junk food to kids, is powered by over $15 billion in advertising every year. The increase in dollars spent marketing junk food to kids 
has closely tracked the rise in obesity, associated health problems, and sales. Saturday morning, I was watching television with my brother Vernon and my brother Kimi. And um, I noticed how like, it was commercial after commercial of like, sugary cereals with the toy prize inside. And fast food restaurants being advertised by a clown playing with kids. I'm not going to say his name. I think we all know who I'm talking about. <laughs> but um, I watched and saw, I saw that their eyes just light up at the sight of these images. And I sat and listened to them sing these jingles word for word. We love to see you smile And your way right away at Burger King now You know? So it's like, I, so that right there was an example of how, you know, things just, how the marketing world can just penetrate your mind. Like, oh, man, you know, I need to go out and get that. So, you know, that's, 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 the, way, that's the way it is. And honestly, they know that, so that's why they do it from here on up. You know, because, I mean, honestly, I'm not saying I am the, you know, this, this is how you should be. I'm not the mole for what, you know, I still struggle also, you know what I'm saying? I do, and I think we all do. But um, my question is, you know, how come I haven't seen the commercial of, you know, anything saying, you know, organic vegetables, they can save your life. You know, like, what's wrong with, how come we're not seeing that? I think that's a problem. That's a problem. My next key to transformation is access. And not just access to healthy food, but access to land, the healthy land. In my community, people love to grow their own vegetables. There are over 165 backyard gardens in my community. But the problem is the land is not healthy. So what I mean by that is we have very high levels of lead in our soil. In my community, we have the highest level of lead in school-aged children in Boston. Something is terribly wrong. There should be no reason why people who actually want to grow their own vegetables cannot without having to worry about, you know, dying from something else. That they, a lot of people don't even know what it, is, what it is. I didn't know what the lead level and so on and so forth was until I started working at the food project. So access to healthy land is very, very important. Lead is a neurotoxin whose health effects include nervous system damage, brain impairment, and violent behavior. Efforts are underway to remove the lead from soil, and the food project also imports and creates entirely new soil for its gardens. Obviously, there's no lack of work to do once you start to make all the connections from soil to food to health to community. And to the one final key Will Bullock has identified. My last key to transformation is employment and economic development. I feel that anything that is brought into a community should make it better. You know, it shouldn't basically tear it down and make it any worse than it is already. So when we actually get this land that we're going to farm on, basically what can happen is that jobs can be created. New jobs can be created for the people who live in that community. Because you're going to need people to work on the greenhouses, in the gardens. And when people in that community spend their money in that community, the economy in that community booms. It gets a lot better. Now, by those young people working for the food project, not only are they staying out of trouble, but they also being exposed to different experiences, different growing and learning experiences. And I'm a product of that. I mean, when I first went to the food project in 1995, I was a very shy, quiet, skinny little, you know, skinny little boy. I didn't have all this hair either. But, um, I mean, all I wanted to do was go out in the fields and work in the fields all day because that meant I didn't have to talk to anybody else. And, you know, really, I can just work in the field. I didn't mind getting my hands in the dirt. But, um, 
through the food project and through the organization really taking their time and investing it in me and looking at me and say, okay, well, man, I mean, you're really good at, you know, doing this, like public speaking or, you know, they really cared about who I was. So I started to care about who I was, you know. So the reason why I say that is because if we want to make changes anywhere, but for this topic specifically in the inner cities, we have to invest in the people who are there. Because of the work of Will Bullock and the Food Project, thousands of people are starting to care about who they are. They have transformed vacant city lots into lush gardens, and they've experienced the rural life in nearby Lincoln. Together, they're making more livable communities and building community. By the way, they also produced a tomato that won the highly competitive award for best tomato in Boston. But speaking of marketing, you couldn't buy one anywhere. We donate a lot of our food. 38 to 40 percent of our food goes to homeless shelters and soup kitchens in the, in the Boston community. So those tomatoes, those award-winning tomatoes, are not going to people who live out in the suburbs. They're going to people who can't afford to even buy them. You know, So the reason why I say all this is not to pat the food project on the back. It's to let you know that something that started as a little dream grew into what we have today. It is possible. It is possible. Will Bullock spoke at a recent Bioneers conference. LaDonna Redmond's Institute for Community Resource Development and Will Bullock's Food Project. With Bioneers like these sprouting up through the pavement, prized tomatoes and healthy communities will soon be ripening in cities across the United States. You are where you eat. Transforming urban food. Growing community. To find out more about the work and writings of LaDonna Redmond, Will Bullock, and all the participants in this series, and to find out more about the annual Bioneers Conference, call Bioneers toll-free at 1-877-246-6337. That's 1-877-BIONEER. Or visit the Bioneers website at bioneers.org. To become a member of the Bioneers or to buy a CD of this program, please call the same number toll-free, 1-877-246-6337. If you're listening to us outside of the United States, you can reach us by calling 505-986-0366. To read more about the work of the Bioneers, check out the Bioneers Anthology book series, which includes Ecological Medicine, Healing the Earth, Healing Ourselves, Nature's Operating Instructions, The True Biotechnologies, and Ecological Literacy, published by Sierra Club Books. The Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Collective Heritage Institute, Executive producer, Kenny Ausubel. Written by Kenny Ausubel and Neil Harvey. Managing producer, Stephanie Welch. Production assistants, Jenny McGinn. Distribution is by WFMT Radio Network. Original recordings provided by Conference Recording Service. Our theme music is taken from the album Journey Between by Baca Beyond and used by permission of Hannibal Records, a Rykodisc label. Additional music was made available by Sounds True at www.soundstrue.com. For more music information, please visit Bioneers.org. The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature radio series are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the Bioneers in improving the environment by changing the world. This is program number 0205.